Hey friend, I am so excited you're here. I'm Marianne Anderson. You might know me from This Loud House on Instagram, and I have a secret to share with you. I'm not really an expert, but I have a ton of friends who are. And each week you can join us for inspiring, fun, and practical tips on how to decorate your home, organize your space, take care of your body, chase those dreams, rock that outfit you just got at Target. And girl, we're going to help you with what the heck to make for dinner too. This is the Life Sunny Side Up Podcast. Welcome. Hey, y'all, sitting down today to talk about divorce, blended families, and coming back from the ashes. I have the privilege of chatting with my dear friend, Amanda Didia, and she has quite a story, you guys. She has experienced abandonment, betrayal, mutual affairs, losing it all to coming back to where she is today. She's now happily married to her husband, John, of 11 years, and they share four beautiful children together that make up their blended family. She and her husband also are full-time caregivers of his quadriplegic brother, And you guys, if you do the math, they were only married one year before their lives changed forever when they chose to be caregivers. She says that it's not an easy task, but God's grace has taught her to become humble and patient, and it has made her family a strong unit, beautiful despite all the odds. Get ready for one amazing, awesome story. So if you love this episode, friend, I want you to do three things, okay? First, subscribe, and then that way you never miss an episode. And I'd love to hear your comments, so make sure you leave one of those too. And you can take a screenshot and you can post it on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Make sure that you tag me at This Loud House and you can use the hashtag LifeSunnySideUpPodcast. You guys, I have the privilege of chatting with one of my dearest friends today, Amanda Didia. I have known this girl for a long time. We have gone through all kinds of stuff together. But, you know, I was thinking, I I, I called up Amanda the other day and I was like, girl, we need to chat. Like, everybody needs to hear your story because she is such an overcomer and she's been through a lot. I really think you guys are going to relate And one of the things that we haven't talked about on this podcast yet is divorce, and we haven't talked about blended families. So I just am so pumped, Amanda, to chat with you today. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to share this uh, part of my life. I hope it helps. Yes, I know. I said, girl, you're going to help so many people. So just for our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a mother of four, and I only gave birth to one. And the rest of them are all my beautiful stepchildren, but we are a very blended family. So on the divorce end, this is my third marriage. And Marianne has been my friend for almost 20 years. We were kind of like counting that up the other day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 20 years. So Marianne has been a part of my last marriage, divorce, and marriage now. I think one of the cool things about you, Amanda, is you are Cuban. And you don't fully speak Spanish, <laughs> um, but both your parents are from Cuba and your dad swam Guantanamo Bay to get here, right? Yes. 
And I like to say that I carry some of that with me as far as courage because it's just so much courage. I wouldn't be here today if he didn't risk his life for his freedom. And I feel like that's kind of how I've lived my life. Like I keep pressing forward no matter what my dad's scenario Bay, I have to swim across to get to the other side. We just keep swimming. There's a little Nemo here. Yeah, we just keep swimming. Well, let's kind of start, you know, at the beginning because your parents divorced when you were a teenager and I know that was not easy and I know a lot of people can relate to that. I feel more like more and more a lot of my friends, their parents divorced when they were older. They were teenagers, they were in college and it still affects the kids and I know this greatly affected you. So tell us that story. Well, my parents, I was 13 when my parents divorced, and I'm the oldest of four. And it's actually three biological children, and then my cousin lived with us. So I had that growing up as well, and I think that's what set me up too, where I am today as a step-parent. But going back to that, at 13, I chose to live with my dad. So I had to grow up really fast, because when all the kids were at my dad's, I was cooking, cleaning, and taking care of everyone at a very young age. So that taught me a lot then, too, to, I couldn't really focus so much on myself. I was very much focused on helping others. So little did I know that that was God's plan to kind of set me up to be a caretaker. Which is a huge part. And I know that financially, it was rough for a while, you guys. I remember you telling me mattresses on the floor and I can only imagine what that was like as a teenager. I worked also, well, 13 on, I worked. So my first job was at a melon field and then I worked at Selby Diner, which is still there today in Florida. I just did odds and ends jobs on top of growing up on a farm, doing all that kind of stuff and helping my younger siblings and my dad was it that you were just super busy and it was like survival mode? Did you process what had happened? Did you feel resentment? Did it feel like baggage that you were dealing with with your parents? You know what? It's interesting. At that time, I think it was survival mode. And I'm very thankful that God always gave me the ability to look at the positive. I know you and I have talked about that for a long mm-hmm. time in our friendship. You know, looking at the positive side of things. And so... It didn't hit me until later on when I got married very young at 18 and I started realizing a little bit at that time, like all the aftermath of everything that had happened. And my dad at that time too got remarried. So not only going through, you know, the divorce, then, you know, a couple of years later then my dad remarried and I had a stepmom with three step siblings. So a lot of things were were changing and I had to learn. And then I realized, you know, gosh, that really was a lot that I went through. But I tend to work through those things. And I think this is when people need to stop and kind of evaluate and understand things. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. But on the flip side now, being a step-parent, I've, I understood how it was to be a stepchild and view it through a stepchild's eyes and all the changes that you're going through at that time. Yeah. It is a lot. Yeah. And, you know, when 13 is not an easy age, I have a 13-year-old. You, of course, have had a 13-year-old. That's hard. So you get married at 18. And how did that happen? 
How did that marriage go down? And, and the other thing that I just have always admired about you, Amanda, you know, working in the melon field, like you just, you don't complain, you do what needs to get done, maybe process the hard later, you know, as, a, as like a survival mechanism. And so at the time at 18, you went to work in the power plant, didn't you? Yes. My first husband had connections with uh, working in the nuclear industry, and we married right after I graduated from high school, and so graduated in May, and in August, I was in uh, Kansas working at a power plant, Bull Creek, had no idea what I was doing. I did three months of OSHA, and then there I was in the reactor building with a harness on, thinking, what am I doing? But again, I think that's just the mentality of I had to swim another uh, day, if we're going to use that analogy, and say that, well, I'm going to do this with a wonderful income. And I ended up traveling the country for 10 years doing that, but it did not go well with my marriage at that time. There was a lot of things that were happening. We traveled apart. Abandonment was a lot that happened to me at that time. And Betrayal. There's a lot that you go through through divorce, but I went through that in my mid 20s, very early to experience that. And just in a way from my family as well, and working in a state by myself at that time. You also had a miscarriage, correct? During that? Yes, yes I did. In my first marriage, yes, I did. And that was so, towards, the of our, towards the end of our marriage. So you're all by yourself. You're 18, 19 years old, and hubby is off doing his thing. Did you go through the miscarriage alone? Was he there with you? That he was there with me. Yes. Yeah. We were actually working in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And I think we've talked about that too, because you lived there and it was a beautiful place and I loved it. But that was a lot to endure on my own working at that time, 72 hours a week. It was a lot. And also the fall of my marriage. So when that happened, Amanda, I mean, what are you thinking? Are you like, I am never going to trust another man again. My heart is broken. Obviously, you're mourning the loss of the baby. And what is your relationship with God at this point? Like, are you angry? Are you, again, just kind of like in survival mode? What were you thinking? I was in survival mode. I realized that, you know, I had to pull myself together. I wanted to make a life for myself and I grew up without a lot. Um, my parents unfortunately had a lot of financial issues so I was very driven to be stable and that came from you know at one point in my childhood we had to sell everything and we were sleeping in sleeping bags and I thought to myself at a young age maybe two or nine at that time like I have to pull it together and mm. so I was very driven to still succeed. I continued working the power plants at that time after my first husband and I divorced. And I had the attitude that, you know, I'm thankful my parents did take me to church when I was younger. And so I had those seeds planted. And I was like, God, I know there's more for me. I know you made this beautiful world for us to enjoy. And I know there's someone out there for me. I was not where I am today in my relationship with God, but I knew of him and I did pray at that time that he would assist me and help me, but I was still not trusting him. And that's why I ended up in my second scenario, but I was pressing for it. I worked on um, continuing the power plant of the divorced woman at that time in my mid-20s. 
And so you meet your second husband who I met. When we met, you won't get ahead of the story. (laughs) And he has a daughter who is a toddler that you become a step parent to. So tell us about that. And, you know, I'm assuming you're excited and you're thinking this is it. Here we go. You know, this is like going to be the end of the story, which it wasn't. But how did that happen? Well, I have to say I was very trusting, even though I went through the divorce with issues already at that point in my life, I was still very trusting and believing for the best. I really was. Mm-hmm. And I met my ex-husband at that time working in Louisiana at a power plant, and I really did fall head over heels for this person at that time in my life. And he said that he had a daughter, and I always wanted to be a mom. And I mothered him, my three siblings, of course, with the story of being kind of the mother figure in my dad's house at that time. So I love taking care of people. I just love it. So when he said he had a daughter, I was so excited. She was two and a half when I met her. I mean, she was the apple of my eye. I love that little girl. And at that time, you know, and I never forced her to call me mom or anything like that and you know I can talk more about that through I'm sure this shortly but she decided that that night she's little she's little she called me mommy and that just it melted my heart so that was really my first love of the child with my stepdaughter Julia. She lived with you guys right pretty much full-time yeah and off and on that was a strange schedule because her dad and I at the time traveled power plants until we settled down but yes back and forth with her mom. Julia was very much part of my life for the years that I was married to her dad. And so you find out about his infidelity and are you just devastated? What, I mean, what are you thinking at this moment? Well, at that time, I thought, Lord, I have really messed things up here. I, I did not really know this person well enough. I mean, Mm -hmm. we fell in love quickly and got married pretty quickly, but there was a lot of issues that did surface to later. I went through two affairs with my husband at that time. The first one, we went through counseling, I forgave him, and we went through it again, and at that time, he told me he was in love with this person, and I said, "I I can't live like this anymore, I just can't. Um, so I had made the decision to divorce, but it was a very hard decision because of my stepdaughter, Julia, yeah. which my worst fears did come true where I had no connection with her after the divorce. So I can't describe that feeling other than really, I felt like a child had died that I, I would not see ever again. And that's where I was when we divorced. I thought I lost my husband. I lost my home. Part of my story is coming to live with you after that, after my divorce, but I had lost everything and a child in the process. I grieved a lot of that. That was really tough. So what what kind of emotions did you have? I mean, and how did that change your faith? Was it anger? Was it, you know, maybe something's wrong with me? Like what, what? I'm just wondering, how did your relationship with God grow or change or how was that affected? That was a season where I was kind of all over the board. I realized that I was a divorced woman twice at the age of 28. I had, you know, been a stepmother and loving a child that then I had no connection with. 
my world was turned upside down. And to me, that was the hardest emotion was to think I have two failed marriages and I've lost a child that I love and my home in the process. I mean, I really lost it all. But through that, that's when my relationship with God started getting stronger. And I realized that I have got to change. And I actually, after that, got in a, a rebound relationship where a you met him very end but was wanting to get married right, right away and I had to really stop and say I can't go from one bad situation to the next and I really said God I'm just going to stop it all give you all of my life and I'm going to trust you and that's it I kind of just shut it all down after that I realized that making these decisions without his presence was causing me much grief and I said find God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to give you my life. And I'm going to just trust in you that you have the right person for me. And I actually started praying specifically for what I was looking for. Mm. And I think that to me, that's really powerful because we all have junk. Like we all have, whether it's divorce, but we all or whatever the baggage might be. And I think that so many of our listeners can relate to this, that you find yourself in this place like, okay, am I going to wallow? Am I just going to let all of this stuff be the definition of my life? And this is just who I am. This is just the way things go. Or am I going to change the path? And I think in those moments, I mean, you did. You, I remember you lived with me for nine months. I said, come, you can... Drew and I had uh, just gotten married. And I'm like, babe, my best friend's moving in. <laughs> and then I got pregnant. And after nine months, I said, you got to go. I, uh, Mia's about to come. <laughs> but it was awesome. And of course, we had the best time and we worked together. And But I, I love that you were so focused on this is not going to be the way my story is going to end. I am going to write this. I'm going to write the next chapter. And there was always this like sense of hope. Do you think you got that from your dad? I do. Um, I have a long history line of family escaping Cuba. And there has to be a level of hope. And you have to dream. My dad was a dreamer. And I just dreamt that someday, somehow, I, I will have the family I desire and I will have a husband that honors me and loves me unconditionally and will respect me and do what's best for me. And I just didn't give up on that. I didn't want my story to end there. And I have already experienced in my family so many people divorcing and their life story ended there. And I just thought, no, I just know that God has a plan for me. And so I did have hope. I worked very hard, but you know that at that time, mm -hmm. and was able to get myself together. And I say, Marianne, you know, gave birth to me after nine months. And I moved out and got my own condo. <laughs> I knew it was time. I had to leave. I was baked up and I had to go. <laughs> but boy, we had some fun. And I, you know, I know that's why we're friends because it's this, you know, victim or victor mentality. And while, you know, we have no control over the circumstances that happen, right? You had no control what those men were going to do, but right. you had control of what you were going to do about it. I mean, I just think that that is the core of who you are. And so you get your own apartment. It was so fun. We were, we're well, it was a condo. It was gorgeous. Yeah. 
And that was a high point. We were working women and I was pregnant with Mia and this guy from New York, you go on a date with and you're like, yeah, I don't know. He comes over though and starts helping around the uh, condo, hanging things. And if you guys know me, you know that I am not a night out, like nine o'clock. It's it. That's it. Gone. Amanda is like, hello, nine o'clock. Let's party. So she has John over there. She's like, man, you got to come. You got to meet him. You got to tell me what you think. So I'm sitting on the couch, like nine months pregnant, totally cranky, like, oh, who is this guy? You know, giving him a hard time as her best friend. But I knew... I knew something was different about him when you had him. Your ceiling was like, I don't know, 40 feet tall. It was ridiculous, right? I don't know, Matt. Right. Really freaking tall. And you have him hang something and then you change your mind and he hangs something else or rehangs it. And I'm like, this dude really likes you, Amanda. You're like, you think? I said, yes, he does. <laughs> He's up on this ladder about to kill himself. But anyway, John enters your life and I, I think you were more cautious, right? And you were like, let's just go really slow and really learn about each other. But was there a moment where you were where you were like, okay, I think this is it. Like, this is really it. Well, I have to tell this story too, because we did meet on a blind date from our mutual friend, Mary Jane. And I said no three months on my end. And he said no three months on his end. And then we finally said yes and agreed to meet for lunch. And when we met for lunch, I was so specific. I said exactly what I was looking for in a person. And so did he. I mean, right away, I said, I want children. Do you want children? I mean, like, yeah, we were very to the point and we both were divorced and went through some similar things so we knew exactly what we were looking for and we both came from a hurt place but we both had hope that we could still have the family that we both were wanting and so I think that it was it was so great that we expressed our hurt and also our hope right away right off the bat and we both wanted to take it very slow my husband then had two children and he was a very protective father and I loved and respected that about him right off the bat like I didn't meet his children till months later because he was very protective of his children he wanted them to be okay and myself as a person that went through divorce as a child I respected that very much so and I told him at that time, imagine this on my first date. Well, listen, I have a daughter out in this world. She's not my biological child, but I consider her as my daughter. And whenever God brings that girl back to me, she's going to be in my life. And he was like, well, if she's important to you, then she's important to me. He never, ever questioned that. And, you know, find out years later, we did reconnect and he he kept his and loved Julia his own Hey guys, so if you never want to miss a podcast or any of the scoop that's going on around here, go to www.thisloudhouse.com and subscribe to our newsletter. You get all the fun freebies that I send out and you can join our amazing community. Again, it's www.thisloudhouse.com and subscribe. 
your love story, I think, is so beautiful because you guys have this heart for everybody. And there's no judgment. There's tons of grace. You, we haven't even talked about the fact that less than a year, pretty much after you guys got married, you moved in his quadriplegic brother that you guys care for full time. And anybody that's ever been a caregiver, it is a whole nother ball of wax. So here you guys are newlyweds. You are now a stepmom to his two kids that live with you guys um, pretty much full time. And also with, you know, his brother and then Julia, who is your stepdaughter from your second marriage shows up in the picture and John says, yes, oh my gosh, I will love her like my own. I just think that is such a beautiful picture of staying faithful, right? And um, of what can happen. But I know there, there, it hasn't been all rainbows, you know, that there is still struggle. And how do you do that? How do you handle the pressure of the blended family, of being a caregiver? How do you guys do that? Well, I will say this, because of what I've gone through up to the point when I met my third husband, my husband now, um, I realized that God works behind the scenes. And where you're in the middle or in the throes of something, you don't realize that till later. And I finally started getting wind of that in my mind that, okay, I need to calm down because God is going to work this out. He's done it in the past. He's going to do it again. I just have to wait and see how this gets played out to have patience and grace in the process. It was not easy with my husband now, his two children when we met. They were, I want to say, 11 and 12. And... Teenage years are tough. You have to build trust with those children. So I went through a lot. And I said to myself, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to love these children as my own. I'm going to have patience and grace for them until they feel comfortable with me. I knew I had to show them that I'm here. I care about them. And I love them. And John did the same thing for Julia because she had been so hurt as well and her father is now no longer in her in her life which I do pray that will change someday but John didn't know but in the future he is now the only dad figure in her life so mm. we both had to be patient and wait and tell people that are going through divorce and become a part of a blended family which I heard this fact the other day seven out of ten American families are blended at this time wow that's how on in our country and I and I talk to people a lot they reach out to me about you know dealing with stepchildren how to do that it takes a lot of patience but you have to be committed and you've got to treat them all the same I didn't birth these three children but I claim them as my own they're my kids too I don't try to replace the biological parents by no means thankfully we're in good terms with everyone it's been a good process but you have to let this children know I am here to support you and I love you the same across the board 
That's so beautiful. And I know that it was always in your heart to birth a baby, which did happen. You and John, though, did have another miscarriage. And the reason I bring this up is because I know there are so many women that struggle with infertility. And it was a long road for you. We were on a business trip together when you had that miscarriage. And I know that was devastating. But you have Charlie. And Charlie and my son are besties. And he's like this miracle baby. The other part of this story is Amanda kept pushing to find out why she was having these miscarriages. Like the doctors just were, oh, you know, it, this happens, but you kept fighting. You were like, I know something's wrong. And of course you found out, you know, a reason and they were able to correct that so that, you know, Charlie obviously is a healthy seven-year-old little boy. What was that like for you, Amanda, when, you know, here you wake up one day and you have this beautiful blended family and you have your biological son as well. Was there kind of a just incredible moment of gratitude after everything you've been through? I definitely remember feeling that way after coming home that first week from the hospital thinking, oh, I do have come full circle. You've given me my own biological child, which I can love. And then to see my other children embracing Charlie and loving him and so happy, you know, they, they just couldn't wait to be with him. And that was like their personal little toy at that time to get get enough of them. Yeah. And it was wonderful. And I really had this piece like, you know, God, I always wanted a big family. And I say this to people all the time, he will turn our ashes into beauty. And through the two divorces, all that I endured, he still gave me four beautiful children. It wasn't as I had imagined, you know, at 18, thinking and dreaming of what my life would be, but God still pulled it together for me. And I'm so thankful. I love that. What would your message be, Amanda, to someone that is really struggling and they are feeling like a victim and they're feeling like, how am I going to get out of this and not seeing not seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, I'm always going to tell people that having my faith, God, a relationship with his son has been my saving grace. And I feel like you have to have that level of hope and faith, having faith in things you can't see. I didn't see my future. All I saw was the mistakes that I had made, but I had hope and faith that God was going to bring this together for me. And the more I was closer in my relationship with him, the more I had peace that it was going to pull through. I didn't know how, but God is the God of miracles. And I feel like my whole life has been a miracle after another because it's pulling me through. And so I would tell anyone that you just have to have hope and faith and patience. You know, we're in a society we want things done right away. It doesn't work that way. Even if you're divorcing right now, give yourself permission to heal. It takes time to heal. You don't get over this overnight. And to be patient and to really express for what you're looking for. I mean, I had a list of what I wanted in my spouse. And I said, God, I'm going to do it your way. I want a man that this, 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 and this. And he really did give me that person. I mean, I'm just amazed. But you need to really think about what you want going forward. And if you're someone with children, you have to protect your children. 
and make sure that you find someone that is willing to take the whole package. It's a package deal. And I tell that to people that are dating and looking to marry with becoming a step parent, you have to know it's a package deal and you have to be in it to win it all the way. And I love how you you didn't settle. John was like, I can handle this list. All right, I got it. (laughs) And if you meet him in person, John is, he's a New Yorker and just so much fun. But the other thing I was, that kind of came to mind, you know, you definitely prayed and you gave it to God, but you also did your part, you know? I mean, some people, I think it's hard, you know, we are paralyzed, right? And you were never paralyzed by feelings of I messed up or, oh my gosh, like my life is falling apart. That never paralyzed you. And I just think that's such a beautiful thing. Do you feel like that is something that you're like hereditary that your parents gave you? Do you feel like it's just part of who you are? How can somebody cultivate that attitude? I guess is what I'm asking. Well, I I do think it's part of my family background, some of that. But the other part, you have got to make the decision in your own heart to not give up on life. You know, life is a beautiful thing. I think, you know, my dad risked his life, finds his freedom. We got to take risks. And you're right. I had faith in God, but I also had to get up and do something. You know, he's not going to work things out. Something's not going to fall out of the sky. We have to continue working and, and also have joy and happiness for others. I mean, I really say that with all sincerity. I wanted a child so badly. And I know when I was pregnant, when I first, my husband and I were first married now, you and I were pregnant. At yes. Time. And yeah. I'm talking like two weeks Part. And so I still took joy in your pregnancy and was able to be in the delivery room you allowed that which was wonderful and to see that and I had joy and happiness. You have you can't be a bitter person, that's what I'm trying to say. Even though I bought the two divorces, I still enjoyed other people's um, happiness and I just knew God when it's my time it'll be my time and you will give that to me when it's my time. But you can't sit down and die and then not be happy and be bitter for everybody else that's living their lives and having their happy seasons. Life is a bunch of seasons. I've learned that. that you just There's going to be times of sorrow. There's going to be times of happiness for everyone. But we are to, as God says, love our neighbors. Either we cry with them, we laugh with them. You still have to enjoy life. Even if you're a divorced person, life has go on and you have to understand that it's a season that you're in and it hurts but have hope take hope because there is a bright future ahead if you allow that to really set forth in your life oh friend that is beautiful and i agree you have always taken joy and delight in everybody else's life which is why i believe you have found that you know peace and happy place you know I just, I think it's amazing. So I would, let's just end with this. What would be your biggest piece of advice for how to blend a family together? You know, seven out of 10, I, 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 I can see that. Seven out of 10 families are blended families today. So what is your biggest piece of advice for how you have successfully done that? I would say this, you and your significant other need to set standards right off the bat that you are going to have patience and grace and you're going to do this together and you're going to love with your whole heart 
it's gonna be hard. It is not easy because children need to feel trust. They need to feel secure and it takes time. Just because you say I do doesn't mean all the children, everybody's gonna line up and it's just gonna be butterflies and rainbows. It's not. Parents say I do, but it takes time for the children to say I do and I can. I also read something too, Marion, that said it takes most blended families five years plus to get on the right track. Mm-hmm. I can testify to that. I have gone through that. And trust me, I mean, going on the flip side now, our, they are oldest is 27, 26, 22, and 7. And my oldest was just here a couple of days ago, and we were talking about, you know, all that we have gone through to where we are now and it's a beautiful relationship and I'm so thankful that we work through everything. It takes time and patience. But when a child sees you there and you don't waver and you love them through it all, I am telling you, years will go past and it's like that child knows this person really loves me. They were there from the beginning and they grow up too. You gotta get your kids time grow up we have to remember we were all kids too and antsy and all the things that we had you know went through as teenagers we have to have patience so if you're in that situation just love your kids love them your own biological kids will tell you things i don't like you or you're mean or you you know it's the same across the board and we have to love every one of them and be consistent with that. You know, kids need security in a blended family. They need to know you are there. You love that person's parent, mother, or father, but you love them too. And they need to know that you are there with them united. And the other thing I'm going to say is you to have a healthy marriage. You're not going to have a healthy family. I believe in date nights. You know, my oldest said this to my husband and I the other day. She said, you know, you and daddy have always been a team. You're a team. Yes. You guys love each other. And that's an example to our kids. You know, if you're in a blended family, your child has already experienced a failed relationship. So you need to show them love in your relationship and give them hope that, you know what, marriage can be a beautiful thing. Despite what you've already seen, unfortunately, in your life as a child, Marriage can do something beautiful. So it's got to start with the parents loving each other and giving that example and then expressing that love down to your children. You also, I've noticed, have done everything in your power to have a good relationship with exes, right? And so I see so many times just these explosive, you know, the parents acting like they're middle schoolers or something, you know, and you have always, it doesn't mean you're besties with their exes, right? But it's the child's parent. And how has that been a struggle? I mean, was that, it had to be a conscious decision, right? That you made to say, I'm going to be civil to this person and I'm going to cultivate some kind of relationship. Yes. And again, this goes back to myself being a child of a divorce. And I said to myself, I want to make sure that I make the children feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So both scenarios with my second husband and my husband now, I met with the mom. I'm still in communication with the two mothers. My husband now, his ex-wife and I, I mean, we did a lot together as yeah. far as anything that was going on with 
kids, I'll never forget our oldest, Christina, she was going um, into flight, we'll be a flight attendant. And Barbara had called me and said, I want you and John to be here with this. We're going to speak with this individual. And we did things like that at the time, you know, it was the three of us. Now she is married, remarried. But at that time when the kids were smaller, we all three worked together for all of the parent decisions. And that's mm-hmm. how we operated. And the kids, they saw that as we're a front together, which is great. It gives the kids, again, more security. They need that united front. You're right. They need that. Girl, thank you so much for coming on today. It was so fun chatting. And if you guys want to connect with Amanda, she is on Facebook and I know that she's an open book. And so please reach out if you have any questions or need any advice. You're just an amazing friend. And I'm so thankful that you came on today. Thank you. Thank you, Marianne. Love you, girl. Hey, y'all. So if you would like to join our community on Facebook, we have a special group just for you. You can continue the conversation off the podcast online. Simply join the Life Sunny Side Up podcast group. Just search in your groups. It'll come up and I will be so excited for you to be a part of this amazing community.